Hello, Dave. Oh, uh, hello, Ollie. How are you? Hello, hello. I'm very well, thank you. Welcome to Sustainable Twenty Five. Twenty Five. Here we are.、Uh, we are、uh, your friendly little weekly environmental podcast about stuff going on with the planet. Why is it all so confusing?、Um, we've been doing special interviewee type things for the last couple of weeks. We interviewed Dr. Carl from Australia, and we interviewed Chris Packham off of Nature.、Um, <laughs> and now we're back with a normal sort of episode, aren't we? Yeah, as normal as these things go, we, and we are going to be talking about all sorts of things coming up. We've got some naughty German car people.、Um, we've got some Arctic monkeys, or at least some people monkeying around in the Arctic. We've got plastic bags. We've got some bankers, and we've even got the Pope. So something for everyone. Indeed. So,、uh, just as usual, the disclaimer that we do work for environmental charities,、um, but、uh, not very well. And also, we <laughs> not,、uh, not very hard in your not, case. Not very hard in my case. I go to the rugby and get drunk. <laughs>、um, but we do work for environmental charities. But everything what you are about to hear in this podcast, and indeed. In any association with us is our own problem, our own mistake, and take it up with us, not with them. Eh? Very true. All right, let's crack on. Yes. Sustainable of the week. So, sustainable of the week. This is the section every week where we have a look at some of the nonsense, the guff, the rubbish that has been spoken or announced in the name of going green, supposedly. And this week we've got a classic green issue, one that everyone likes to talk about down the pub. What is it, Dave? It's plastic bags. <laughs> Yay!、Woo. Plastic bags are things that you get from shops, and you put your beer in them, and then you take your beer home and you put the plastic bag in the canal. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah, not the beer. Drink、no. the beer. Drink the beer. Put the plastic bag in the canal or insert it into a seabird. This is the problem. There are in the UK apparently 8.6 billion, which is a lot of plastic bags given out every year. Did you know how many plastic bags you? Well, not you because you're a massive hippie. But do you know how many plastic <laughs> bags the average household has got just tidying around in cupboards and stuff like that? I don't actually. What is Have it? Have a guess. Have a guess. Uh, hiding around in covers, in yeah, like sta- you know, stashed around the stashed back of things、away. or under、yeah. uh, hundred. Yeah, that's not that many. Forty. That's still quite a lot. <laughs> Damn. Sorry. That's all right. It's all right. This is this this podcast can only go only go one way from here、um, because I'm very tired. And、um, what happens is you go into a shop and they give you a plastic bag without asking. You whether you want one, and they、uh, then you take one without really thinking about whether you want one, and you end up with a massive great amount of plastic bags, and they are free, and so you don't think about it. Well, that is going to change because from this Monday, Monday the fifth of October,、uh, you have to pay in England five pence, five little teeny tiny pences for every carrier bag that you want to have, and it's a bloody good thing. Hmm, it's a good thing. So this is the government making up this rule, right?、Mm. Yes, it's the it's well, sort of. It's the government. It's actually that nice Mr. Nick Clegg, if you remember him. Who? No,、nope, nothing. Nothing. Oh well. 
that was what the Liberal Democrats got through. You have to pay 5p for your bags. Right, it's happening. The rest of the UK, which is, what is it, Wales? What's the other ones? Oh, come on. Scotland. You're being, you're being facetious. This and is Northern silly. Ireland. This is silly, you're right. The rest of the UK has been doing this for a while, and I am pretty amazed that it works, but it does work, you know. It really, really works. You've got to pay 5p for a baggie, and you don't bother. 80% fewer bags get taken when you just make people pay 5p. Isn't that insane? Isn't that insane? Because I don't know what the, the average price of a shop is. Um, Shops are a couple as hundred in, thousand pounds, I think. All right. Average, <laughs> oh God, this is going to be hard work this week. You were in one of them moods. Yes. Right. The average price of a weekly shop, you know, at a supermarket or something. I don't know what that is. Um, but I'd imagine 5p as a percentage of that is quite low. And so if somebody said, you know, do you want them, them bags? Yeah. They're kind of costing you 5p now. I would have thought most people would go, oh, yeah, whatever, you know, just chuck it in. But the fact that 80% of people go, do you know what, if I have to pay for it, no thanks, is pretty remarkable. Or maybe it's just that they're being forced to think about it a bit more. Just the act of it costing is like, well, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have a plastic bag. Maybe it's a bad thing. That's all it is. And you'll find some flibbity-jibbity, upsetty-type people flapping about, um, going, it's the end of civilization. I expect to get free bags when I buy my beer. But actually, most people think it's a good idea. Opinion poll came out last week saying two-thirds of English people want it. Uh, In Wales, three-quarters of people want it. So it's all good, right? Okay. Except... Yeah, we go. (laughs) (laughs) This being the government, they've (laughs) nosed it up a bit. Yay! And they've been and gone and made it complicated. Where's Where's Arabella? Yeah, where Where is Arabella? Arab, Arabella, for for those of you new to the podcast, is my six year old niece who helps us out on every show by um by reading out some of the babble, the sustainer babble. Um, and she's had a couple of weeks off because we've been gallivanting around with celebrities, but she is back on duty this week. Arabella, what I would like you hello, Arabella, by the way. Hello, um, Dave. Um, what I'd like you to do, you see that there, that is the list of things that don't have to pay the 5p plastic bag charge. The 5p plastic bag charge, which is, of course, Arabella, designed to incentivise you to have a nice, simple message about plastic bags. Mm. Could you start reading that out, please? Uncooked fish and fish products, uncooked meat and poultry and their products unwrapped food for animal or human now the reason we said start is because arabella um will probably still be going in about an hour's time such as the length of this list um she's probably still playing underneath this uh it's an extraordinary list it's ridiculous i mean it's 5p for plastic bags unless they contain, well, basically anything that we can think of, including some fairly odd things. And as our friend and, in fact, previous guest on this show, Martin Williams, pointed out on Twitter, oh, well, it's good to know that the unwrapped blades that you're selling me and the axes that you're selling me are going to be covered up in a nice, sturdy polythene bag. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, and when you go to the fairground and you win a fish... Don't worry, you don't have to pay 5p for the plastic bag that you take the live aquatic creature home. Um, I love the idea of somebody going, I don't, I'm not paying for that bag, I'll put it in my hands. I'll put it in my hands. I've got wet fingers, the water won't go through. Also exempted 
are little shops, so convenient shops, you know, like the one on the corner, um, which means you'll go to Waitrose or Tesco or wherever you go and you'll have to pay your 5p, but if you go to your local corner shop, you won't. So therefore, people are going to get all confused about exactly what it is they're supposed to think about stuff. Does that include little versions of big shops? Because uh, that is scandalous if it does. I don't think it does. I think it, it's... it's uh, No, I don't think it is. I think it's like standalone little places. Okay. I think. But I don't know. I'll tell you the reason I don't know. Because I'm incredibly bored of reading through all of this guff, <laughs> right? I also, like, it does... It, so paper bags are exempt, even though, like, paper bags make massive piles of litter as well, right? And biodegradable bags aren't, and there's some babble I'll spare Arabella, Arabella reading out about why that is. And basically, what they've done is taken something really simple. In Wales and Northern Ireland and Scotland, they just say 5p a bag, shut up and pay it, right? So they here, don't have these exemptions, over No, there. they don't, right? And here, uh, because this is the government, and because all you've got to do with this government is say, move economic growth, and if you make me pay this thing, then my business will shut down and move abroad which is presumably what's happened here. The fairground industry has lobbied hard to preserve a 5p <laughs> exemption for live aquatic creatures in water. The government's let them off and just made something that should be a really nice and simple thingy that everyone will get used to incredibly quickly. And as you say, pay it if you, don't, if you want to anyway. Difficult. And I think it's stupid. This bit, there's no sale of goods such as dry cleaning or shoe repairs. <laughs> Inhoff of the Week. So, Inhoff of the Week. This is the section named after the inglorious Senator Jim Inhoff in the US of A, um, who is a climate change denier. He thinks it's obvious that climate change isn't happening because there's still snow. So we named a whole section of the show after him, whereby we call out similarly nasty people or companies. And this week... As flagged up at the beginning of the show, we wanted to talk about some nasty German car people. Because unless you've been living under a rock for the last couple of weeks, you will have seen the news that VW Volkswagen, one of the biggest car makers in the world, um, has been cheating. It has mm. been lying about the emissions that its vehicles, um, well, emit, I suppose. And particularly the really nasty stuff, uh, the particulates, the bit, little bits of unburnt soot that fly around out of the exhaust pipe into the air and into your lungs and kill people earlier than it should do. It's serious stuff. They've been lying about it and they've been caught red-handed. And such is the scale of this scandal. I mean, usually on this podcast, we talk about things which, frankly, 99% of the population don't notice. But this time, the world's media has noticed. And here (laughs) is just a selection of some of the headlines. The world's biggest car manufacturer and maybe the biggest ever corporate scandal. German automaker Volkswagen found itself in the middle of a scandal of potentially criminal proportions. Volkswagen is bracing for billions in fines, possible criminal charges for its executives, as the company apologizes for rigging 11 million cars to help it beat emissions tests. Naughty, naughty Volkswagen. So look, right, you went to a posh university and you're much cleverer than me. So could you explain to me, bearing in mind I am a very tired monkey, could you explain to me in words of one syllable and ideally fewer than 700 sentences, could you please explain to me exactly what the heck is going on here? Words of one syllable? Yes. Mm, That's going to be tricky. I will try, okay? Tricky's got two syllables. Shut up. Go away. There's a car company. Hawaii's got two syllables. (laughs) I hate you. That's good. No, that's better. That's good. That's good. One syllable. One syllable. I hate you. I hate you. (laughs) I don't. I love you. I'm sorry. Right. right. 
Get on with it. Okay, I'll try and explain this. Um, I'm tired and it's difficult. But basically, there are rules, particularly in America, there are rules about how much pollution your cars can emit, Hmm. particularly um, this stuff known as nitrogen oxides, N-O-X. Not Um, nitrous oxide, which is the one that makes you happy. Yes, exactly, exactly, allegedly. Um, And these are bad because they create smog and they put bad stuff in your lungs and they, in fact, kill people earlier than than people would ordinarily die. Um, And that's why cars are not allowed to emit them. However, they are emitted quite a lot by diesel fuel, right? Mm. But diesel fuel is prized... um, particularly in Europe, because it is very uh, efficient. There's more energy per unit um, than there is in petrol. So you can go further. You can drive your car further. So in America, because they've got tough standards on the, nitri- on the NOx emissions, um, diesel cars haven't really ever taken off, except they started taking off recently because they alleged they were getting cleaner diesel technology and still getting their mega fuel efficiency. So they started taking off on Volkswagen. We're selling a few. However, Mm-mm. people were smelling a rat, yeah? They about what? They were smelling a rat. Why were they smelling a rat? <laughs> they were smelling a rat because they thought it was a bit strange how the test results coming out of labs about how lovely and clean these diesel engines were didn't really match up to real-world driving tests. But what has happened now is that it has been uncovered that they've done something unbelievably sneaky. And this is what they've done. They have written some code into the software in their cars. And I still can't quite get my head around that our cars are basically just massive computers. They're computers, but, yeah. Computers but we'll put that yeah. to one side. They've written some code into the software which recognises when the steering wheel is being steered in a certain way and the pedals are being pressed in a certain way and they go hang on a minute this is a lab we need to switch on our pollution controls we need to really ramp down the amount of these nasty pollutants these knocks that are going out the back now that same code also recognizes when it's real driving when someone like you is driving on the wrong side of the road that's still not over that said i was sorry all right i was experimenting (laughs) free form Exactly. driving. Jazz. Exactly. And so when that's happened, they go, woo, we're not in a lab. Turn off the pollution controls so people can get their nice, whizzy driving experience and um, actually slightly less good fuel efficiency. And it is well illegal. It is well naughty. And they owned up to it. They finally fessed up to it this week. But they have apparently been doing it since 2009. Das ist nicht so gut. <laughs> Here's the thing I don't understand, right? Question for you. Um, why, if you're really upset about this, why? I mean, I understand why, like, why you and I and people who think it's a good idea not to kill people through stinky air uh, are upset about it. But if you actually, some people who own these cars are really knocked off about it. But, like, they've still got a car that's still, like, the car is the same car they've been driving around for ages. So they, why are they upset about it? And then other people aren't upset about it. They're just like, I don't care, whatever, it's a good car. Um, so what's going on there? Well, I wouldn't be that bothered about it if I owned a Volkswagen because it's, it's not, I mean, it probably hasn't directly impacted your own enjoyment or your own fuel efficiency that much. The people who should be upset about it, the people who have to walk around polluted streets, particularly in cities, 
where they, you know this is where air pollution is is, is the most damaging. We've got high concentrations of vehicles and lots of smog and all the rest of it. And you've got kids in primary schools on big main roads. You've got you you've got usually the poorest people living by the biggest roads, so suffering the most pollution. You've got hospitals. You've got all sorts. Frankly, I don't want to be. I'm more upset about it because I walk around central smelly London quite often. Uh, and the, well, the air smells and tastes of armpit, basically. Uh, but apparently it's not just armpit. It's loads of emissions from Volkswagen cars that shouldn't have been coming out. That's the yeah. point. You know, they, they are, these are, the regulations are there for a reason. And they've just, rather than saying, do you know what, the only way we can meet them is by making our cars a bit less fuel efficient and a bit less fun to drive. But, you know, so be it. They've just lied. So they've just been pumping out this dirty stuff all the time saying it's clean and we're helping rotters so apparently all this is all our fault obviously it's all our fault why because us the green tree hugging yogurt knitting fraternity don't want cars to cause climate change and so we've made all of the regulations and the targets and the thingies like that happen that have made cars really 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 focused on being more fuel efficient and thus less carbon intensive and what that has meant is that people buy diesels instead Mm. because diesels are as you said more fuel efficient, right? Yeah, and everything percent more about it. More right? yeah. that's, that's a lot, yeah. isn't it? And uh, things like in the UK, the way the tax system used to work was that it would be much more, uh, much cheaper for you to buy a low CO two car, which probably meant you might be likely to buy a diesel. And it's something like fifty percent of all cars being bought in the UK are now diesels, right? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, but I think that number's broadly right. And so the argument goes that focus, focusing on one thing, climate change, has caused another bad thing to happen instead, and it's all our fault, and we should just have given the car industry a sweetie and told them to be nice. What do you make of that? Mm. Well, uh, I'm, ne- I'm never one to blame myself entirely for climate change, um, but, you know... <laughs> got to accept some responsibility yeah it's mostly your fault it's mostly my fault oh god it's a it's a tricky one the problem is people who are saying this are largely the groups like the global warming policy foundation who don't really have anything to do with policy to address global warming they just want to see any measure that uh, addresses global warming to be canned right Mm. and it's them that are saying it because they see this as an excuse to go ha see your efforts to curb global warming are bad, full stop. Therefore, we shouldn't do anything to curb global warming. Clearly, clearly, the pursuit of diesel has now been shown to be an error on the grounds that it screws up your lungs. But that doesn't, I don't think, necessarily mean that we therefore shouldn't have been incentivizing fuel efficiency among cars. No. I mean, the point is the petrol cars that are in America are horrendously in, uh, yeah. fuel inefficient because they're not incentivized. Yeah, and it's not really the fault of, like, you know, stuff is complicated. Sometimes you do one thing and it causes something else to happen somewhere else. But you've got to do yeah. something. Like, what's the alternative is not do not do anything. Like, biofuels is an example of this. Where, yeah, like, exactly. when, when cars started running on biofuels and everyone got all very excited about it in the green movement, and then they realised, well, hang on a minute, actually you're just using a huge amount of land and chopping down trees, and actually the climate impact of that 
is not particularly great. Anyway, sometimes stuff is complicated, right? It doesn't mean you don't get on and start. It doesn't mean that actually just because a car manufacturer has fiddled the rules, that makes it all our fault somehow. What it means is the car manufacturer are a bunch of naughty, naughty tow rags and need to be taken outside, as you say, quite rightly, and smacked in the bottom. Exactly. Should we do that now? Yes. Tell you what it reminds me of. It reminds me of the financial crisis and things like, or or maybe even better, something like the LIBOR rate rigging scandal, which you might remember, which was basically when it was uncovered that a handful of individuals had for a very long time been uh, being naughty with some numbers, which was making their employers a big fat amount of cash. Um, And what emerged basically is that, you know, the the excuse was given at first, well, this is just some naughty individuals. But actually what it was, was a combination of the regulators not really regulating the companies, not really, you know, knowing pretty well what was going on and not fishing it out Um, and everyone everywhere having an incentive to kind of you know put the right thing in the right box and come back next week and let's not talk about it anymore do you think that's what's going on is this something bigger and broader than just one naughty company being naughty and if it is what does that mean well i would be very surprised if this is the last of it for exactly the reasons you just said you know it's, it's it's that idea that like come on everyone's fiddling the system if we don't fiddle the system we're just we're just losing out of our you know market share type thing and um you know as with as with all those scandals you just said the initial reaction has been from Volkswagen to basically say oh there's like five I think they said there's like five members of staff who have been sacked because they were the people who were who were screwing this up and it's that idea you see it in all these crises you're like right one bad apple phone hacking there's another exactly as a rogue reporter at the news of the world turned out to be absolutely everyone doing it and everyone okay with it same with expenses oh well one bad mp is filling the expenses oh, no no my expenses everyone no it's and it's, it's all this idea that, that the corporate world will go no 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 we're all good people there's just there's just a couple of nasties and it's i just don't believe it i'm sure it's systemic because it is about the bottom line isn't it it's about doing, doing, spending the least money to achieve the most profit and to get ahead of your competitors. Um, and I would be surprised if, you know, the, the clever engineers at Volkswagen have worked this out. I'd be very surprised if the clever engineers at other, other car companies haven't worked out how to do this. And um, I guess we'll watch this space, eh? anti of of the week. So, for every Inhoff, there is, of course, an anti-Inhoff. Somebody nice, somebody who's done a good thing. And this week, it's someone surprising, isn't it, Dave? Yes, it is, Ollie, my beautiful little snowflake. It is a man called Mark Carney, who is an extremely important Canadian in a suit, who came over here a couple of years ago and started running our central bank, the Bank of England, right? Bloody foreigners bloody coming foreigners over here. Coming over here, keeping our interest our rate low and telling us about climate change, because that's what he's done. He has come and said, in a speak this, speech this week, and said, you know that climate change? change thing and you know how your job is to worry about the stability of the financial system well duh wake up guys because this is going to be some really heavy stuff he basically said um this this is the challenge sitting here today is it the biggest risk today no it's not is it the biggest risk in the future one of the the biggest risks in the future yes and so the challenge is how and the challenge is that if there's not action today or in the near future that risk in 
in the, in the medium term goes up and up and up. And it re- requires sharper action, more abrupt action, and a bigger hit to econ- uh, the economy and, and, and obviously to financial stability. Sort of stuff he said was that the challenges currently posed by climate change pale in significance now compared to what they're going to be. It's a future problem, a massive future problem with a huge cost on future generations that we right now haven't got an incentive to fix. And by the time we realise it's a problem, you're going to lose a great big wadge of money, right? And it's really significant because people listen to this guy. Yeah, yeah, it's massive. It's going to be sending shockwaves through governments and and the city because, as you say, he ain't no hippie. He is he is an important man. You know, we were we were talking earlier about like Alan Greenspan. He was an equivalent central banker in the states, and for a long time, he was like the kind of sage, the global wisdom on finance and stuff. And these these people are uh, their words carry huge weight in the big wonky uh, financial world. So yeah, it's it's massive, and kudos on him. Kudos. And kudos is also due to uh, a dedicated bunch of people who a few years ago came up with this concept that actually the financial system really needs to be worried about Mm. climate change. People like the Carbon Tracker Initiative, whose work you should check out if you don't know them already. And the line of argument goes, one of two things is going to happen. Either we're going to have climate change, you know, which will cost a great big wadge of money. Just look at things like Hurricane Sandy and the flooding in Somerset and all that sort of stuff. You know, you get a lot more of that. Or we don't. And if we don't, what we're going to have to do is leave in the ground loads of oil and gas and coal, go to episode five for our divestment episode if you want to find out more Um, and that will have huge ripple effects on the financial industry as well and they plugged away for ages and let you know in, in hardly any time at all that has gone right to the heart of debates being said by a man in a suit at the bank of england to whom the entire world listens and it's interesting and right less than three years ago a complete and total inhoff in the UK Parliament, a guy called John Hayes, who's your no dad? Relation, no relation. No, okay. Thank you. Um, was I'd like to make that very clear. <laughs> exceptionally dismissive, misogynistic and horrific when all-round lady hunk Caroline Lucas asked him the question in Parliament and said, you know, this whole climate change thing, this line of argument, should the Bank of England and the financial system be worried? And he basically said, shut up, dear, and go away. Go and do the ironing. You don't understand. The financial system is full of very, very clever people and if climate change was a thing to be worried about they would worry about it stop being such a girl it really it really was that bad i mean you're paraphrasing but not much not i mean much. He, he, he actually said in parliament let me give you some paternalist paternal advice didn't he, did he? Yeah. and it's just jaw-dropping that yeah. this sort of thing still goes on um maybe i shouldn't be surprised because they are all awful in that place but yeah um it like you say incredible that in such a short period of time it's gone from a fringe argument, you know, a few kind of airy, very wonky people uh, thinking about it, to the most kind of mainstream political financial voices in the world going, yeah, this is this is the real deal. And it's one of those things that actually, when you just stand back and you look at it, you go, hmm, maybe we're not all going to die after all. <laughs> Reasons to be cheerful. So, reasons to be cheerful. Well, we just had one, really. What with your mega anti-Inhoff, Carney, the super Carney. But we've got some others. And I guess because we've been away for a couple of weeks, um, well, or at least we've been talking to other people rather than ourselves. And frankly, I preferred it that way. Dave. Carry on. <laughs> Carry on. Uh, but there's been some other interventions. And he's 
been on this podcast before, not in person, but in spirit. It's the Pope. He's back. He's been doing good stuff. What's he said, Dave? Yeah, so Pope, Popey Wope, his Popeness, Pope on a rope, has been all great about the environment. <laughs> Go back to episode 19, where we first had a little mention of the Pope, and then episode 20, if you like that, where the Pope was followed by a whole bunch of very learned Islamic thinkers who also said, like the Pope did, that if you think God is good, you should probably not mess up his creation by causing climate change and all of that sort of stuff. Really, really good stuff, right? Won't go on about it again, but it's very important and significant. And he went over to America uh, last week where they, I think, literally do think he's Jesus Christ Almighty. (laughs) And he said, again, to America, go on, not mess up the planet or you're going to hell, right? Which is quite a brave thing for an exceptionally wealthy, insulated man who has a city all to himself to say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> just leave that one hanging. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's great. So, uh, you know, it's just significant. So, you know, I wanted to mention that again. Is that yeah. all right? Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. No, it's been, it's, it's been a fantastic tour by Pope Tour standards, mm, isn't it? playing all his hits. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Giving the crowd what they want, uh, apart from the people who don't believe in climate change in America. But maybe they will now because they believe in the Pope, as you well, say. you know, and I was reading um, a thing. Uh, I thought I'd do some preparation. Um, and really? I was reading a thing that there's this, you know, the Republic, it's gone down all right with some bits of the Republican Party. And, you know, there, there are people, there are voices in the Republican Party in America who generally don't have the space to say things like, well, climate change is real and, and snowballs don't mean that climate change hasn't stopped, right? And they're actually finding their voice a bit. I've seen some articles where they said, look, it's all right. It's all right for, you know, to believe in God and to believe in climate change. And it's quite positive. Doesn't that give you hope? Doesn't that give you hope that maybe... Like we can we can turn this from a horrible political partisan issue into something that perhaps everyone could work together on. Oh, it gives me it, maybe it's because it's late and I'm tired and I'm a bit fragile and not as fragile as you. Uh, but I just yeah, I feel positive about that. Anyway, so who else has been playing a blinder this week? Who's given us reasons to be cheerful? Well, this is your um your lady crush, isn't it? This is oh, uh, speaking of that. making things not partisan. Who is mm-hmm. it? What's she done? Uh, her name is Hillary Clinton, also featured on this podcast previously uh, for saying that, and we'll come on to this later, saying that the Arctic shouldn't be drilled in. Uh, and now, well, not just now, but recently, she said the Keystone pipeline shouldn't go ahead. Because, well, that is this big, well, now, I think I said this in a previous episode, a big hose pipe. Mm. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think a that's big... what I said. It's a pipeline. It's a pipeline because no one can understand the concept of a pipeline. Big pipeline, which is going to take a huge amount of the dirtiest, literally the dirtiest of the fossil fuels, uh, tar sands, oil extracted from the tar sands in Canada, and pump it all the way down to America. And it's a terrible idea. And it has been probably the uh, the biggest focal point for environmental protest in uh, in the states. And she said she doesn't support it. She doesn't think it should it should happen. and that's just amazing. And again, I accept what you're inevitably about to say, that she's a politician and that she's making nice promises now and what she actually does, if she becomes the lady president of the USNA, uh, is a very different matter. But the fact that she's saying it is excellent. So there we are. And uh, that leads us rather nicely onto this. Schadenfreude of the week. Well now... Well, now, Schadenfreude. This is a section we like to have. We can't always have it, but we can this week, where someone who's had it coming to them 
gets it coming to them. And this week it's Shell. And do you know what they've gone and done, Dave? Uh, well, yeah, obviously. But uh, go on. No, I'll play <laughs> have, what have well, they done? Well, I'll tell you what they've gone and done. They have gone and splurged nine billion of their US dollars on drilling in the Arctic, right? For years, literally years, they've been pursuing this project. It's drilling, the final frontier of fossil for oil. fuel exploitation. Drilling in the Arctic for oil, oh. yeah? They want oil, mainly. Mm. And Not uh, drilling for a, kittens, then, or anything like that. They, well, they would if they could, I'm sure. Yeah. They're that sort of company. But anyway, there's been a lot of protests. There's this horrible irony of the fact that as the sea ice is melting more and more, there's more and more Arctic to explore for the fossil fuels which cause melting ice. It's horrific. Anyway, and they have this little window in the summer and they finally got up there to go and drill and they said massively unexpectedly at the beginning of this week, do you know what? We ain't going to do it anymore. Not in the foreseeable future. Why have they done that then? Well, they say they've given up because although they did find oil and gas reserves, it was not sufficient in sufficient quantities to, um, to be worth exploring. However, they also cited the, what they called the regulatory regime, and I think mm. that means the protest, the, the, you know, the damage to their brand. Because if you have been following um, what Greenpeace in particular have been doing, but all sorts of groups in America... There has been a howl of derision about the Arctic's plans to, uh, sorry, about Shell's plans, sorry, to drill in the Arctic, um, not least from Lady Hunk, Hillary Clinton. And I think they have just started to think, do you know what? We're getting, we're getting too much shit for this. It's not worth it. Don't you think it's more likely that they've just think it's too expensive? Like, so I saw all the stuff with your, your greenies, with the big polar bears going, woohoo, big win, fantastic shell, don't go into the Arctic, right? But don't you reckon they've just gone, that's too expensive, that is? They're not suddenly going to turn around and go, well, now that we're not going into the Arctic, actually, we're going to start building wind turbines and knitting blankets for the homeless. I don't think that's going to happen. They're just going to go drill somewhere else. It's not like, what's significant about it? Well... Two things. Yes. One, um, it's very significant that there isn't going to be a massive oil spill in the Arctic, which no one ever well, produced plans off of to shell. clean up. I mean, other people are going in the Arctic, right? No. No, they're the only serious players at the moment. Okay. There's one tiny little Italian company, apparently, but no one's taking them seriously. I don't think it's anything to do with their nationality. It's just that they're small compared to shell. Um, but no, they were very much the kind of the frontiers. It's expensive. It's it's yeah. really you know you, you, it's a massively big deal to do it. So there won't be oil exploited from there. There won't be an oil spill, and there won't be cuddly polar bears and all the rest of them killed. I think uh, on you, well, you brought up two things, didn't you? The cost of it, right? People are very confused, me included, about what when you when you actually sell this stuff, because some people have said, well, hang on, the oil price is so low that right now it doesn't make any sense, does it? Because it's expensive to drill the stuff out the ground if you can't sell it for more. Yeah, hello, uh, Dave here. So, uh, listener, I'm sparing you uh, what was an extremely long and utterly, utterly tedious explanation from my co-host about the economics of drilling in the Arctic. If you want to find out more, just go back and listen to episode four where we talk about the oil price or go and read about it on Wikipedia. For now, um, and in commemoration of uh, this album being 15 years old, here's a little bit of music from Kid A by Radiohead.
Prediction time. So, prediction time. Every week, we whap our crystal balls on the table and stare lovingly into them, try to work out what's coming up. We're not very good at this, but we keep trying regardless. I think the score is 3-1 to me. Yeah, no, it's right. three one, oh, isn't this it? This will be per- perpetually contested. Yes, um, uh, yes and uh, your prediction was weird. Should we listen to what it was? <laughs> it's a while back, wasn't it? Yeah, let's let's hear. I think that the leader of the Labour Party will be Jeremy Corbyn, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think, oh, I think that I'm going to go out there and say it. I think he's going to make Caroline Lucas of the Green Party a member of his cabinet. Hmm. So you got a bit of that, right? Yep. You got the bit about one. No, you got a bit the bit about Jeremy Corbyn being leader of Her Majesty's opposition, which, which is, he is which which he is at least at yeah. the time of recording this podcast. <laughs> um, but that was actually your main prediction, and I wouldn't have let you had that. What you actually predicted was that Green Party MP, not a member of the Labour Party, would be a member of a Labour Party cabinet. That's what you predicted, wasn't it? Yeah, I did. Mm. I did. And do you know what's really frustrating is that where I work, there were people wandering around the office going, "Have you heard the rumours? Yes. Have you heard the rumours? Apparently, Caroline's going to shadow deck." Uh, development of energy and climate change and I got extremely excited and then it turned out to be utterly baseless so uh, right my turn so it's still 3-1 so uh, this episode will be released to the nation uh, to the grateful nation on Monday the 5th of October which is I think the same day that uh, record Inhofe holder two or three time appearer in Inhofe corner George Osborne Chancellor of the Exchequer boo, boo will be making a speech and this is his speech to the Conservative Party conference which is going on in Manchester which is when all of the Conservative Party get together and play quoits and drink wine (laughs) and say things that um, maybe they didn't order right and I reckon he's going to say what's he going to say I reckon George Osborne is going to say something about fracking. And I think he's going to say something new. He's going to announce another new thing about fracking. Go back and listen to episode two, Frack, 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 for a little summary of what fracking is. Or indeed, you know, we mentioned it most weeks, to be honest. So I think that's what's going to happen. Something hitherto uh, unsuspected and new is going to troll out of his gob like oil from a North Sea rig. And I think (laughs) it's going to get everyone extremely annoyed. So that is just about it for this week's episode, episode number 25. Thank you, Dave, for struggling on despite some considerable personal physical strife. You're welcome. And thank you, as ever, to the wonderful Dickie Moore of Bearcraft. Uh, Bearcraft are the band that play the music that is at the beginning and the end of this show. And we love Dickie, and for reasons known to him and him only, we are dedicating this show to him. We love you, Dickie. We do. Uh, we also have a particular fondness for Arabella. Thank you, Arabella, for services above and beyond the call of Babeldom this week. We, uh, we we made you work, and thanks very much for that. Help yourself to some laughing gas. No, yes? No. <laughs> no, Dave. No. Sorry. <laughs> Six-year-old niece. Sorry, sorry. I meant uh, chocolate. Um, thank you to our 
army of new fans and followers mm, and uh, babblings. exciting, isn't it? We do, who have been uh, attracted to our fold um, by, <laughs> the, <laughs> by uh, the couple of uh, interviews that we've done fold. with Chris Packham and Dr. Carl. Uh, get in touch with us. Let us know what you think of the show. You can find us on Twitter at The Babble Wagon on our Facebook page. Just find that Sustainable. Drop us an email at hello at sustainable.fish and if you like the show please leave us a nice review on iTunes or SoundCloud or however you consume this podcast because it does make a big old difference. And if you've got any ideas for who we should interview next, any of your favourite celebrity famous wow people, then please let us know. We've got some ideas of our own, but we'd love to hear yours. Indeed we would. Right, that's it. Can I go now? You can. You're dismissed. Dismissed. Blended. So are you, listener. Have a lovely week and we will see you next week. Bye. Bye. Okay, so we've done Bloody Inhoff. Uh, yes. We didn't make any Nazi jokes, so that's good. Uh, done plastic bags. <laughs> uh, <laughs>